It was a 80s Polish movie about a priest, which, you know, set off all the wrong buttons um, in my, <laughs> in, in my oh boy, uh, excited for a film uh, moment movie. Yeah, me Roulette. I am your host, Kate Hughesby, and this is a show where me and a guest randomly select something off Netflix, watch it, review it, and tell you if it's a piece of shit or something you should watch. And today, I am joined by one of my very good friends, Rihanna Cruz. Yay! Hello! Woo! I expect like a, like a crowd noise sampler to pop up right there. I always say I'm going to put it in, and then I never do, so I think maybe this time I'll get to it. I want resounding applause. You deserve it because let me tell you people, they are one of the most prolific artists at USC. They are one of the most talented DJs uh, in the greater Los Angeles area. And they just got a coronavirus test two hours ago. Yep. (laughs) Multi-talented. Call me a triple threat if you will. The the new triple threat. Uh, How was the COVID test? It was, um, it was, it was easy. It was easy. Light work. I, uh, implore all of the Netflix roulette listeners to go and get one. Uh, pretty simple. You just, uh, I mean, I've gotten the nose swab before. That one is very annoying because it makes you sneeze, but the one I got was just like the mouth swab. So you kind of like rub it around your cheeks for 30 seconds and then you put it in like a little vial. And send That's it nice. But yeah, I mean, it's it's easy, you know, accessible testing is PSA, get tested. Get tested, people. And don't stop the testing at COVID, you know, get tested for all sorts of things. Just really get to oh, know absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want, you want a chlamydia test? Go get tested. 100%. You know? Things like that. I like, <laughs> know your body. <laughs> um, so when you pull up to Dodger Stadium to get your test, is it does it feel like you're in a movie? Like mm. there are there people there in like suits, like Monsters Inc. or what's going on? Low key, it feels more like a Disney ride than it does a movie because <laughs> you know you pull up and they're like keep your hands and legs inside the car at all times. They're like oh, keep wow. the windows up, you know don't don't put any like uh, part of your body outside the car, uh, you know unless it distinctly necessary and it honestly like they like play a video of like eric garcetti over the over like huge screens and then you have to like no turn your radio way. to like he- yeah and then you have to like turn your radio to like hear him and honestly like the first time i did it i was like this feels like a disney ride i was like i, yeah. I feel like like you know when like the the like waiting queue to like say like the buzz light ear like zap thing and you're like oh you know you're hearing everything and they're like here's what you got to do when you get to the when you get to the portal yeah that's that's what it felt like I was like okay you know kind of funny kind of dystopian but like kind of funny yeah the whole Eric Garcetti up on the screens just seems like Hunger Games (laughs) yeah like him like telling you what to do like standing behind the podium with a mask on and these like big video screens where he's like you know uh like, oh, wipe your mouth. If you're symptomatic, stay home for 10 days. It's, like, kind of insane. But the wow. whole time I was like, oh, this is TikTok material. So totally. I've been making TikToks in line. Can I put some of fun. your uh, COVID TikToks in the edit right here? Absolutely. 
slap him on Bad up. bitch, fuck the bitch. Bitch gets slick, I'ma cut the bitch. I'm a bad bitch, suck some dick. If that bitch gets slick, I'll cut the bitch. Um, so I noticed that your background for Zoom is Ma. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your genuine connection with Ma? Wait, can you see that again? It got lost. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you froze. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your connection with Ma and what Ma means to you? Ah, uh, yes. My background is Sue Ann Ellington, Octavia Spencer's main character in the 2019 movie Ma. Um, directed by the director of The Help, Tate Taylor. Um, my connection to the movie Ma is that I think it's a cinematic masterpiece and um, one of the best movie experiences of the past movie-going year. Um, I saw Ma a number of times. I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it's a modern camp classic. Um, my favorite Ma experience was that they showed it at... Uh, our university on my birthday, on my 19th, or sorry, on my 20th birthday. So I was able to uh, get absolutely blasted and go see a screening of Ma with about 20 of my closest friends on my birthday in the theater where I have class four days a week. So that was oh, what a absolutely delightful. Yeah, and then they had the uh, Sue Ann Ellington costume in that same lobby so I would ma check uh, a couple times a week, pay my respects to uh, the Blumhouse costume mm -hmm. and um, get the fuel and support I needed from the Octavia Spencer mannequin to <laughs> fuel me <laughs> through my week of classes at the School of Cinematic Arts. So. Yeah, you kind of started a movement with the ma check like on Instagram stories. Like there were just, you know, every other day you'd see uh, a new person joining the Machek movement, so that was fun. Right, yeah, the Machek movement was um, my favorite part of, of the fall 2019 semester because, yeah. I mean, it really, it really revitalized me and gave me hope, um, so to speak, which is weird to, like, attribute that to a mannequin, but, like, it was so stupid and, like, the way that, like, I would bring my friends to take pictures in front of Ma and, like, put music over, like, me just, like, goofing around in front of Ma, like, it was really fun, um, and it honestly, like, provided a sense of community. The Ma fandom uh, truly, truly gives me gives me motivation to uh, to carry on. Yeah, I know. Every time I saw Ma check posts, my day just got a little bit brighter. Exactly, exactly, and like honestly, I I feel like I feel like Ma just like itself is such a goofy movie, and like. It, it stands as like a cult classic and honestly I'd say it's one of my favorite movies because it's absolutely incredible. And you think that's one of your favorite genres is like the uh the sort of genre that Ma falls into? Oh as well Ma is like a, on its own you know it's like a it's a stupid like horror Blumhouse film but like a camp classic <laughs> that it yeah. is that like looking at the deeper layer I'd say I'd say that's one of my favorite movies because it's like or one of my favorite genres because I don't know, I feel like movies that are just, like, so stupid, they're, like, fun. I, I think, like, a lot of it goes into, like, movie-going experience and, like, how you feel once the movie is over. 100%. And, like, that's why, like, movies like Ma, movies like Cats, which are, like, two totally different genres, <laughs> but, like, at its core, like, you know, make you feel the same when they're done. Like, 
stuff like that like I I truly enjoy it's outside the box you know it's something that you don't see every day right like my favorite movies are movies that you watch and you're like how did a development exec approve this and let this happen (laughs) yeah (laughs) because I I truly admire like out-of-the-box movies to to get made and get an audience and Ma fits into that Cats fits into that you know even something like Spring Breakers or like Napoleon Dynamite you know what I mean like something like that it's like those are some some of my favorite films because it's like you know that actually went through a process to get made and it's, it's kind of crazy and it validates such a niche part of society that's never really represented and it's like uh oh my god my thought just totally disappeared <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like it's like it's like uh when you leave the theater and you feel like wow that was something I did not expect to ever happen. <laughs> right, like it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience, you know, like it transcends film and becomes an experience. And like, yes. you know, with movies that like are, are all encapsulating like that, like I think that's really important because I mean like, you know, I'm a film production major and like you kind of see like film, centralized like studio film becoming like homogenized. And when you get something that's like totally like off the wall, like, in this case, like, using Ma for the sake of example, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, this, these five teens just, like, hang out in this woman's basement, and then she, like, starts to go insane, and, like, to, like, you know, starts to, like, project onto them, and things like that, and, you know, like, there's a scene in Ma in which, like, spoiler alert, she hits, like, a woman, like, like, she speeds in her car, and, like, runs over a woman while, like, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire is playing, and, like, something like that like I don't know it, it, it has it TikTok energy it has big TikTok energy yeah, yeah. and like you that's know that's why we love like TikTok so much right like the inherent like irreverence that goes into something like that like I, I I fully appreciate and I think like in a world where like film is becoming you know so similar to one another in like the studio sense to have something like that be made um, by a major studio and like have that effect on people like I think it's truly incredible yeah, and a lot of the movies that we end up landing on on Netflix roulette are, like, movies we would have never heard of. And a lot of them, mm-hmm. like, I feel like kind of have that vibe where it's, like, how did any development executive, like, that's not Tommy Wiseau, like, approve this to be made? <laughs> Money laundering, period. Yeah. It's been fun to, like, get into those. Um, yeah, I mean, I what- can imagine. What kind of like genre, like what kind of movies, what kind of things do you look for in a movie or like what, what, you know, makes a movie good to you so that when we're reviewing, you can, so people sort of have like a idea of like what you, what your bar is for like a good movie. Ooh, okay. My bar from a good movie, I kind of mentioned this before, but like, I want to feel something. I want it to make me feel something, whether that's like you know, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, like, makes me laugh, makes me cry, makes me confused, you know what I mean, like, makes me, uh, you know, question, like, what, you know, just a giant question mark, like, I I just want a film to make me feel something, and if it has an effect on me like that, and I'm thinking about it after I'm done watching it, like, I think that makes a good film. Yeah. Because if I watch something and, you know, I finish it and then I never think about it again, it's like, you know, 
<laughs> that that work I feel like went to waste because it just goes in one eye and out the other so to speak so like yeah very good thinking point. about it yeah like I, I I want a good movie to make me feel emotions mm-hmm. um I want it to be profound I want it to say something you know things things of that nature chef's like, kiss I, I, chef's <laughs> not chef's chef's kiss yeah um what what are some movies or tv shows that you've been getting into recently like say the past two weeks or something like that oh man i i have been watching a lot of jeopardy um (laughs) daily double yeah no lots of lots of jeopardy i think i've watched every single available jeopardy episode on netflix and hulu so um lots of game shows unfortunately um i watched kangaroo jack last week that oh my god i love that it was, movie <laughs> kate have you watched it like recently because <laughs> it's no sucks. i watched it when i was like six and i loved it right so. so when you're six like it slaps and then you like turn like over the age of 10 and like me watching it as tw- <laughs> like as a 20 year old in the year 2020 like it's awful i think it's top five worst movies i've ever seen but oh my but, god yeah, Let us no, know in I've the been... comments what you guys think of Kangaroo Jack because it's kind of oh, getting please. heated. Please, uh, the Kangaroo Jack debate—I I implore everybody to look at it with fresh eyes and then give us our input. But, Absolutely, um, Kangaroo Jack. I saw. I've been watching the Saw franchise, kind of going in movie by movie. Um, I've Saw also... is basically quarantine a movie the movie version yeah no literally and Saw itself is a good movie the sequels kind of blow but like mm. the movie itself is good um so Jeopardy Saw uh and the movie Palm Springs those are my three favorite movies oh what did you think of Palm Springs I loved Palm Springs mm-hmm. I thought it was a cute little a cute little film I really right? enjoyed it too yeah, I mean, I again, like, it, it made me feel good afterwards. Yeah. And um, the climax of the film uses my favorite song of all time, so that earns extra points in my book. Which song but is that? At the end, they use a Kate Bush song, These Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. Um, and, like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spoil it for the movie, and I want everybody to watch it. For the end, uh, cloud busting um, in a climactic moment and it's truly transformative yeah and um, for those of you listening you can also check out the review of Palm Springs uh, Robert Ace and Sabrina did uh, they just put it up uh, a few days ago some mixed opinions in there so it's an interesting review to check out mm. that being said I think it's time for us to jump into the game so I'm going to share my screen now uh, share screen Netflix So this is how the game works. Rihanna Mm -hmm. will give me three to four numbers, which will hopefully correspond to a Netflix genre. Mm -hmm. Um, So do these numbers mean anything? Are they random? Tell us how you're getting these numbers today. Okay. Well, it's four numbers, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop the first two 24 because those mm-hmm. are my uh, 24 is my lucky number then I'm gonna follow it up with uh my favorite number conceptually the number nine um because it has a beautiful shape and uh it's not quite 10 
but it has superiority over the other numbers because it's higher. So I stay on number nine. Yes, um, three, six, nine. I'm, yeah, exactly. Um, and then I'm going to end it with the number five, kind of middle of the road, see what we end up with. <laughs> A moderate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, it said error. You lost your way. Let's try one more time. It might have. Okay. Nope. Um, still no. Still no. Different screens, still denied. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's let's switch it up on them then. Let's say let's say five. Five. Two four. Two four. Nine. Ooh, an anagram. Yeah, maybe I just need to pick new numbers. Mm. <laughs> Hit him with the three. The three. Let's go five. Five. Let's go. Five. Five. Let's go five. I have a good feeling about this one. Let's see. I have a good feeling about this one, too. Cerebral movies based on books. Okay. What okay. is cerebral? Cerebral meaning... Those are, those are thinkers. Oh, okay. So a movie that makes you think. Based on a book. There, there's a two-parter there. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, so it looks like the one they're trying to sell us right away is There Will Be Blood. But there's mm. also two other rows here, popular on Netflix and trending now, which means gotcha. that we're guaranteed to probably get something good since it's either trending or popular, which is right. kind of the same thing. So right. I'm going to ask Siri now to pick a number between one and two. Mm-hmm. Pick a number between one and two. It's two. So we're going to be going into the trending now row, okay. which okay. has one, two, three, four, five, six uh what is it looks like 11 three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven okay so i'm gonna ask siri now to pick a number between one and eleven the answer is ten okay so we will be watching the links (laughs) just confirm that dark drama one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep, the links. I didn't want it to be true, but here it is. It looks depressing. The links, 1982. A priest's duties are tested when a young gorilla asks for absolution while confessing his plans to murder a local man he believes is a traitor. Starring Jersey Radziewicz. Fran- Looks Polish. Yeah, I think it's a Polish movie. So we will be watching this and (laughs) we'll get right back to you with our review. All right, guys, so we just watched The Links on Netflix. Mm Rihanna, mm-hmm. first impressions. What do you think? Um, first impressions, well, I went into it um, seeing that it was a 80s Polish movie about a priest, which, you know, set off all the wrong buttons um, in my, <laughs> <laughs> in, in my oh boy, uh, excited for a film uh, moment movie. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, was not as thrilled as I thought I would be. But 
upon finishing, um, surprisingly better than I expected with those qualifiers. Uh, yeah, I think it was definitely yeah. a cerebral uh, movie. and Based on a book, yeah. And how, how would you summarize the story for the people listening who didn't mm. watch it? Um, okay, so basically I'm going to describe this as best as I possibly can. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll jump in if I can. Right, so there's this priest, kind of looks like Pete Holmes, mixed with the dude from Wallows. Yes. Um, he basically is, like, vibing, you know, like, being a priest, just, like, living his life. One day, this dude comes in, kind of hot, kind of looks like Joss Hutcherson in uh, Hunger Games, like, gives big PETA energy, striking jawline, striking nose. Very chiseled. Right? Chiseled, absolutely chiseled. <laughs> Um, giving me, like, uh, way ho, like, you can see this guy, you know, walking down the street outside of Flaming Saddles, like, giving yes. me everything. Um, but, yeah, so this dude, <laughs> um, comes to a confession with Pete Holmes' priest, and is like, hey, can you absolve me of my sins for the afterlife? And then he's like, what sins? And he's like, oh, well, I'm assigned to kill a dude. Haven't done it yet. But, you know, I am basically with, like, the German soldiers, and there's this dude that's a traitor because he's harboring, uh, like, Jewish people in his house. Because, by the way, this takes place during the German occupation of Poland. So, you know, this dude's a traitor because he's hiding Jewish people. And um, the priest is like, oh, shit, so you're going to kill this dude? And he's like, yeah. And the, and the priest is like, well, I don't know if he's an innocent man. So the priest goes to see the dude that he's supposed to kill. Turns out the guy is a traitor and he is harboring Jewish people. Um, so now the priest is like, oh shit, am I gonna absolve this dude or not? Oh, oh, oh fuck. Um, so he has another conversation with this guy um, and the priest is like, you know what? I'll kill him to free you. I will live with the burden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, this is, like, peppered through, like, surreal, like, you know, uh, homoerotic dreams of, like... Daydreams, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like homoerotic, like, grayscale delusions of, like, him and uh, chiseled uh, PETA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that peppers the, the interim. And then, in the end, uh, you find out after he decides, the priest decides not to kill uh, the traitor, um, right. that the the man, the chiseled PETA the chi guy The chiseled who uh, PETA uh, Flaming Saddles <laughs> West Hollywood regular um, is um, a ghost. Not <laughs> to be a ghost. So, um, it was interesting because... At first, the movie was really slow, and for about 30 minutes, uh, there was really not much going on at all. Uh, we no. just kind of saw the priest's day-to-day -day life, and they sort of built up uh, occupied Poland as, like, a very sort of creepy, like, isolated place. Even though they really didn't, like, show us a lot of German soldiers or, like, much having to do with the war, you could definitely still feel, like... It, it, it had like an apocalypse. Yeah, it was yeah. like an apocalypse, and um, and then and then once it started to get more, I'd say about halfway through, like it started to get more um, entertaining. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like yeah. There, there was like a moral dilemma that was like introduced and like it transcended like normal sort of like, oh, like priest movie and then like went into like, oh, you know, he has to kill a man, which I think is like, or offers to kill a man, which I feel like is nuanced for like a, you know, traditional moral like priest having issues with his faith conflict. Like, I thought yeah. that was- Yeah, and it, it kind of like asks the question, like what is the role of a priest during a world war? Like, are pe- right. when people aren't even coming to mass, when people aren't, um, you know, like practicing faith like they normally would during war, like what is his role? And I think that kind of like drove him to this like in sort of extreme point like Mm -hmm. he almost felt like he had to become jesus himself and like die for this man's sin right Um, like become like a martyr yeah the big the big scheme of things and it was all very nonverbal too like even though it was in another language it was like a very nonverbal film like there was it was a lot of just uh action going on which is enjoyable and like i know because we watched the movie together over zoom and one thing that you enjoyed a lot was the uh, the lighting, which was really good. Yeah, I was gonna say the cinematography was gorgeous, um, and it's interesting because I've like seen a, a decent amount of like these um, like Eastern European block country like mid eighties uh, like movies. Like I'm a big fan of like Czech cinema of of the eighties because it's all like super striking and gorgeous and it like works well with like muted tones and like you know traditional lighting like and this film specifically like there was a lot of shadow work and when like there were these dream sequences that would go into grayscale like the the shadows and and the drop shadow and the way that you know the faces were illuminated was absolutely insane like it, it it was really um it was really beautiful and like added a lot to the story. It added a lot of like dimension and emotionality where, you know, words didn't say much and, you know, there'd be, there'd be silence. Um, and I'm thinking like more towards the end when, you know, it's revealed that the dude is a ghost. There was a lot of lighting changes that, you know, you sort of like pick up on and these cues that you didn't really notice before. Um, how like, you know, this guy always has like an aura about him and you know he's so chiseled so like there's a lot of shadow on his face and like a lot of drop shadow and like things like that it it was really inventive and I I I told you this Kate that I said the gaffer snapped on this one yeah he really went all out (laughs) and um especially when you think back to the beginning of the the movie when we didn't know that the guy was a ghost the whole time Mm -hmm. and the way they sort of used like the lighting to like I guess foreshadow that a little bit was really cool yeah I mean that and like just to kind of like reinforce the entire mood of the movie because like there's just this aura of dread that like encapsulates every single scene weirdly enough um yeah like I saw I saw somebody describe it on Letterboxd as like a horror movie and like thinking about it like opening up the movie and said it's rated pg-13 or rated pg for fear i was like oh interesting (laughs) but like thinking about it like it really is a horror movie in some regards because it's like you know playing with like a person's morality 
and like yeah. what do you do you know like as a priest if you build yourself up on on being a moral person and it's and, like, interesting that this was adapted from a book too because uh the category we landed on was cerebral movies based on books i think yeah. this uh was definitely cerebral i don't know exactly um if i've thought of movies as cerebral before is that something you're familiar with like is that a term i i mean i have used it as a term before well not that i've used it in conversation but like i you know i've i've watched a lot of cerebral movies because those are inherently thinkers and like those are usually like i mentioned before movies that like leave you with a lasting impression because you know you finish them and then you like sit and think about them and like as much as i like love movies like ma or like austin powers or something like cerebral movies like definitely like leave you sort of like sitting with these quandaries when they're finished um and like you know looking at like uh the other movies that were like in that section like i've never seen there will be blood before right but like there were there were other movies that were genuinely um cerebral thinkers like there uh, and like looking broader than like based on a book like you know that leaves you with like things like uh truman show and like being john malkovich and like things that like all great you, movies yeah right like like you know that have these quandaries in them that you have to sit and think about yeah so what what do you think are some quandaries from this movie that that we're sitting and thinking about um i can go first i think that one thing i was thinking about when it ended was how faith and belief is really such a strong part of the human experience and Mm. in this guy's case like was his belief driving him mad or was this like I guess one thing I was left questioning was like was this all sort of a mental delusion or was it actually an intervention of God and I think that in a way it kind of doesn't matter because the lesson learned is still the same and it's like Mm. yeah I guess that was just one thing that left me like cerebrally thinking about (laughs) (laughs) I mean like yeah it's it's the I guess like first criticism that comes to mind is like I wish the movie devoted more time to like exploring like uh directly the priest's relationship with his faith because uh, as much as i joke about the inherent homoeroticism of the movie which was present and (laughs) like very very um like uh apparent in my opinion like the motifs of like (laughs) temptation throughout the movie Uh like i feel like temptation was a big part in regards to the themes and like kind of leaning into that like that was the only sort of a relationship that I felt like the priest had with questioning his faith and like his morality and like I wish they they went more into that because I feel like that's something that like would have um enhanced directly like the priest's character you know yeah because um, I as much as the movie was a great existential thinker I think that mm-hmm. it did miss a little bit of um you know making us sort of care about the priest character I felt like that was sort of missing because when he went through this whole thing it was sort of just question mark question mark and not a whole lot of answers um which you know has its merit too but I felt like when the movie ended I was like I like this guy the same amount I liked him coming in I don't think he's a hero I don't think he's you know necessarily 
special in any way. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's, I think that's intentional though. Like I, I don't think that like he is supposed to go through this whole, you know, hero arc because I think at the beginning of end, like beginning and end of the day, like he is a human. And I think like a lot of these, like, you know, cold war era, um, Eastern Bloc country movies that I've seen are like mm-hmm. very dependent on like humanity and morality. And I think that comes from a lot of like political circumstance at the time. Um, yeah. And I've like seen a lot of like Czech, like weird, like one off, like Czech, you know, like black and white movies yeah. of this time period. And they all like sort of have similar themes of like you know, like, soldiering through and, like, you know, like, inherent humanism and morality and, like, nihilism, you know, like, all of that stuff, like, just, like, infused into the content, like, that comes from a thing of, like, in my opinion, like, all movies are political, so, like, when looking at this in relation to that, like, you know, it's really interesting. Um, Yeah, and it, it explores the idea of, like, is there an absolute right and absolute wrong, like, exactly, and exactly. And it's like, do politics become morality at some point? Because it mm-hmm. kind of seems like it. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, let's talk about the daydream sequences because that was something that I thought was a highlight of the movie. Uh, I hadn't really seen that done before uh, in a movie where uh, anytime the priest would sort of have like a dream, a daydream, like an imagination sort of scenario we actually got to see it through like this grayscale flashback, which was cool. And um, those were sort of the moments that made me feel like, oh, there's something else going on here uh, because mm-hmm. that is so spiritual. Yeah, it was very, um, it was very surrealist. And like, you know, I mean, this predates David Lynch, but you know, it gave me very Lynchian vibes, which um, yeah. I feel like, you know watching it it's like okay they like move location super quickly and like you know there's very very striking images that that honestly resonate with me like there's one daydream that like takes place uh partly at a beach and like you know the ghost character turns and like his entire side of his face is sandy and he's like lit so beautifully against this this background of just like you know grayscale beach and like honestly like it was it was it was sexy like these daydream sequences were sexy as hell like they looked so beautiful yeah and yeah were a manifestation. yeah like it was it was really really beautiful to watch and like even through one of the daydreams in which you know a character was killed it's like still looks so gorgeous mm-hmm. and like usually these sequences i believe all of them were played without sound so it genuinely feels as if it was a dream. And like, that's my favorite part of, of drama movies when they like take a leap like that and just um, go like all into dream sequences. Yeah, and give no you sound. something to sort of read into like, you know. Yeah, just... cerebral, again, exactly. cerebral. And also speaking of like reading into things, I thought it was really cool how they incorporated paintings, like artwork into the movie. Um, like, a lot of Christianity, like, religious-based artwork were, like, kind of triggering these uh, these sequences. Oh, yeah. Um, because, like, a lot of the artwork depicted either, like, a demon, like, tempting a priest or, like, death or um, seeing, like, the St. Mary's uh, of the church 
Um, and we don't really see, I feel like usually in movies, it's like they're trying to create a painting rather than just showing a painting itself. Um, right. And I felt like they did it really well. And I, I kind of want to see that in more movies. Yeah, I love, I absolutely adore when movies like integrate artwork and have it be like an important symbol. And uh, have you seen the, I believe it came out in 2015, 2016, it comes at night. Sounds, I definitely know of the movie, but yeah, I don't think so I basically, saw it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an A24 movie. It's like a dread-based horror movie, but I personally didn't enjoy it that much, but something that it does is that it relies heavily on this one painting. And like the beginning of the movie, you sort of like, you know, analyze this one sort of painting of like skulls and like the apocalypse. And like, you know, even though the movie handles like, you know, non-tangible dread and like, you know, no direct sort of demon, so to speak, like mm -hmm. you keep thinking and you keep uh, going back to this painting like mentally throughout the film. And um, I don't know, I love when movies do that. And I love when they like use artwork as a motivation to like expose the internal themes of. of yeah, the film. it did have a lot to do with the internal experience of yeah. this priest. Yeah, like moving, moving it in, in, in that direction, like the intertext, intertextuality. That's the word I was looking yes. for. Yes. Yeah. Put of, that, put that film degree to use. Like, we yeah, love to see it. That's that BFA. No, but yeah. our, like artwork intertextuality, I think is really important. And I think it could um, say a lot and like transcend what, you know, you see in terms of like 3D, like character existence and mm -hmm. like convey the same ideas through the art shown because I mean, you know, artwork carries a lot inherently, like a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings. So like, transferring those emotions from a physical painting to the characters on screen, I think is a really easy connection to make. Speaking of painting, I've been getting really into, well, not really getting into, but I've been into TikTok. And something mm -hmm. I saw on TikTok recently is that there are people who do live paintings, like at weddings. Uh, I know this is like a mad tangent, but that's yeah. just something I just recently learned about. There are people <laughs> who actually still like go places and do live paintings. Um, so I'll definitely want to get one done of like this, Netflix roulette episode um just because oh, it's so iconic um I want to be the the demon in, in the painting that's in I, I want to be in the demon position and I'll be the priest like yes yes <laughs> I'll be I'll be out here resisting temptation I know taunting you um what do you think uh what do you think like the the takeaway from this movie was for you hmm um, takeaway in terms of theme or takeaway in terms of like what I will remember down the line? Like theme. Hmm. I mean, I'd say, I'd say this film was about inherent morality and, you know, projecting your moral compass, whether it's good or bad and kind of wrestling with the fact that there really is no good and there really is no bad. Because, I mean, if you look at it, the character in the movie that was so-called the traitor was you know, helping Nazi, people. yeah. Right, right. Like, you know, I, the, the character that was supposed to be killed because, you know, he was a traitor to the state was, you know, like helping the Jewish people. And, you know, the character that was looking to be absolved of his sins was, you know, working for the Nazis. Right. So like, 
and you know and it has to do with time and place like context right right like I feel like you know the audience uh kind of sees themselves uh looking deeper into it like as a proxy for the priest and kind of like in the priest shoes because it's like where do you lie morally you know and like going back to what you said like you know we don't really end the movie seeing the priest is good or bad it's just like you know making making human moral decisions you know what i mean so i think like Mm -hmm. my my personal takeaway is is that you know the moral compass is fake and manifested by by humans uh to justify actions what about you what's your takeaway yeah period no yeah that was it for me um what would you give it out of 100 percent on rihanna's tomatoes Ooh, oh, this is this is a lovely question because I adore Kate's tomatoes and I look forward to every <laughs> single review. Um, I well, I'm I'm an avid Letterbox user, and uh-huh. I think I would honestly for give those this, of us who don't know what is Letterboxd? Oh, Letterboxd, for those of you that don't know, is a movie reviewing website, a la like Rate Your Music or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Basically, it is um, like a logging app for movies. So whenever you watch a movie, you can give it a rate and a review. And it basically uh, just like logs every single movie you've ever seen and all your reviews. And, you know, I pay for Letterboxd Pro, which is uh, it it gives me um, like higher stats and things like that. Like, it's really cool if you watch a lot of movies and I like try to watch a movie a day. So, um, it's really, really dope That's great. To, see, to see stats and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. today's my, the Lynx was my movie of the day. So yeah. we'll see if I hit number two. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I would probably give it three and a half stars on Letterboxd, but I feel like I would give it like out of a hundred, I would say probably like 75. I feel mm-hmm. like it's the same, the, the same range. I don't know. 75, I think. Yeah, I think um, there's a few different ways I'm looking at this movie in terms of percentages. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. in yeah, terms like, of how do you like rate on Cade's tomatoes. Like, how, usually for me, it's like it's like how much did I actually enjoy the movie? Like, out of a hundred percent, a hundred percent being like there couldn't be a better movie than this. Um, um, but I'm looking at it sort of as how well it did with its art um components um and then also thinking about how much I actually enjoyed it and how much I sort of was like intrigued or pulled in and I think that with all of that being considered I have to like land a little lower than you maybe like a 69 percent okay yeah I I actually would go a little bit lower I'd go like 72 72 um yeah yeah because I think a lot of what a film lies on for me like, you know, my favorite movie is Spring Breakers, right? And, like, yes. you think about it, like, visual masterpiece. And when I like mm-hmm. a movie, I feel like it, the visuals mean a lot. And and that's why I, I enjoyed this, because it was, like, strikingly beautiful. For sure. Um, and, like, kind of, like, looking into that, I'd say I'd say 72 was a good, a good rating for me. Yeah. Final answer. That sounds great. Let's see what yeah. the critics had to say about it. Mm. If we share... Can you find reviews, critic reviews? Ooh. <laughs> uh imdb is giving it a 5.6 out of 10 <laughs> what's new on right. netflix is giving it a one out of five they're cowards um, but there is no rotten tomatoes oh there is a rotten tomatoes no that's not the movie oh man that's not the movie 
Um, but yeah, it seems like people are kind of just in the middle on it. Um, I mean, yeah, it has a 3.6 on Letterboxd, it says. So would you recommend it to people listening right now? I would. I, I Well, I would recommend it if um, moral, like, dilemmas are, like, your thing or, like, your jam. Like, if you really liked other priest movies, like First Reformed, uh, etc., like, I think this movie would be, would be right up your alley. Um, if you're, like, about the, the moral quandary life, uh, definitely give this a look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, know, I'm looking like... at your virtual background. It's just, like, yeah, it's, um, no, for those of you that are listening, it is uh, Elon Musk holding um, X-A-E-X-12. Yeah, because, because I don't know how to pronounce the name, is holding Grimes Baby. Yes. Um, and I'm in the position of Grimes Baby in the camera. Um, but no, if you're, if you're about that, that Eastern European movie, like, uh, you know, block film life, Give it a give it a look. So if you're Dasha Nekrasova, like definitely yes. check it out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, I huh, would I recommend it? I think I have to go the same as you. Like, yeah. If you're if you're trying to watch something that's cerebral and something that's in World War II Poland, this is a good movie. And uh yeah. if you're looking for a movie to just sort of have a good time with this ain't it chief no. um no if yeah. you're like looking to sit down and like watch some cinema you know like if you're a cinephile check this film out if yeah. you you know just like want a movie to, to pass the time with maybe have in the background as you're doing something else links isn't the film for you <laughs> <laughs> so uh anything else you want to add about the movie i think that i think that does it that does it really. Yeah, yeah that, that I don't really know. does it. <laughs> Everybody had super chiseled features and mm-hmm. they, you know what I thought was interesting actually, really quick, they, this film, I'm curious to see like what the budget would be because they only use like three actors and only like three locations, which I thought was, was really interesting from a film production point of view. Yeah, and I thought the acting was actually really good. Yeah, no, the acting slapped. But. Except for when he passed out at the end. That was a little <laughs> <laughs> wonky, but... Uh, yeah. So that will do it for us this week on Netflix Roulette. Thank you so much, Rihanna, for joining us. Um, where can people find you on social media? What are you up to these days? What do you want people to check out? Oh, man. Um, what am I up to these days? Uh, not much, but you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Big fan at- of your tweets. Thank you, thank you. I am, I'm, I'm a tweeter. What can I say? I love <laughs> tweeting. Um, I have chronic brain rot, and it manifests on my Twitter. <laughs> you can follow along with my Instagram at Basedriana. That is B A S E D, and then my name. And yeah, bang my line. I'm doing DJ sets this summer. So if you, if you love virtual Zoom, sets. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. Yeah. Come on, Kate. We're in a pandemic. But <laughs> <laughs> no, virtual Zoom DJ sets. So if you like pop music, DJ Costanza is the DJ for you. Big stan of DJ Costanza. Um, Thank you, and make sure you subscribe to First Cut. 
check out the reviews check out yes. the podcasts and thank you guys so much for watching my name is kate Hughesby. this is netflix roulette thank you rihanna signing thank off thank you kate farewell godspeed godspeed <laughs> <laughs>